0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast.
1: Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast.
0: As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods.
1: Putting STEM into every classroom, every day.
0: As always, we're trying to give you ways, interesting ways, to add some more STEM or science, technology, engineering, and math to your, your everyday classroom, any classroom, even even to your life and home. and with- their kids. And, and parents can often be one of the best sources of adding STEM and math uh, in our kids' lives. And today we have a special guest, Teresa Gonzi, uh, who's going to share with us this a little bit about adding some more STEM and math, especially, uh, to those very early uh, childhood ages. So uh, welcome, Teresa.
1: Hi there, Chris. It's nice to be on.
0: Well, thank you for joining me. I'm, I'm super excited to hear uh, here's some of the ideas that you have and and some of the things that you've been doing and and researching so so maybe start off by by giving us a, a little bit about yourself what what have you been working on and what what kind of things are uh, have have led to this point of of being excited about this for you
1: of course so i I always loved math and science uh actually well, who doesn't I, <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. So, when I started college, um, I thought that, you know, I was going to be a mathematician, thought I was going to be a scientist. But then I realized that I also really enjoy working with people. And yeah. so I ended up doing cognitive science, taking my math skills and working with children. So, I actually, like you, taught high school math and science for a few years after college. But I was always interested in earlier child development and also, as I'm sure many teachers can relate to, the classes that I I was teaching in the higher levels, I often had kids coming in who really didn't have the basic math skills that they needed to succeed in my class. And so I kept on thinking, well, what if we got them earlier? What if we got got their math stronger at an earlier age? So more recently, I've been looking at early childhood and early elementary math and what both parents and teachers can be doing to kind of help develop that. And one of the interesting things that I'm finding is that parents and teachers have to kind of start working on their own math skills, not calculus, not statistics, nothing (laughs) big, but just problem solving and realizing that, a lot of the stuff that we do every day that we don't think of as math is math at, at least to early childhood to children. Yeah. Um, and so doing just simple activities at home, incorporating it in the early childhood classroom is really important.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, even, I mean, even as parents are at the grocery store and their kid is, you know, in the shopping cart or pulling on their leg or whatever, use those opportunities. Hey, get them to, Find, find where's the biggest number you can find on, the, on these prices or anything like that.
1: Yeah, one of the fun activities that I like to encourage parents to do in the grocery store is when you're in the fruit section mm-hmm. and fruits and vegetables and you have those scales, the little hanging scales, having kids try to figure out which one, you know, which melon they think is heavier and then weighing <laughs> it and seeing which one is actually heavier. Just a little
0: estimating, right?
1: Exactly. Estimating and then also seeing the part that I really like about that is seeing that the numbers relate to something real. Oftentimes, prices like you're talking about, those are good for finding numerals, you know, the specific written numbers. Mm -hmm. But prices to kids don't necessarily relate to quantities or what number really is. Yeah. so that's why, with the weighing, I often like that, or finding sizes of cereal boxes or something like that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so great. So, so is is that? I mean, you had talked, you had, you had mentioned before uh, we came on the air here. You talked about the idea of math talk. Is that is that part of that, or is that is that even a bigger idea?
1: Well, math talk is exactly what we've just been explaining. Is yeah. it's just incorporating these little things, whether it's numbers can be either numerals or more of the abstract numbers. So numerals is like the written thing. So like pointing out numbers is math talk, or rather pointing out numerals. But then also understanding how numbers work in terms of being bigger and smaller and that type of thing is also math talk. So anytime that you're using language that incorporates numbers, but also Geometric concepts, problem-solving concepts. So even in early childhood, pointing out different colors and sorting by colors can be an early math concept. You know, as you go into high school, you might not think, oh, colors, that's not math. But <laughs> the, the concept of this apples and, oh gosh, what's another red fruit? Um,
0: strawberries. strawberries.
1: <laughs> that they have something similar with each other. But that there's also, you can also have red and green apples. And so they have something similar with each other that they're both apples. Mm. So the sorting concept is really important in early yeah. math.
0: Yeah, so, so very good. Some, some definite good ideas and, and, and reminders that, that, that parents that, that are really, you know, the kids' first teachers. I mean, we, we kind of hear that once in a while. But really, it can start right in those formative years. And and I know one thing that I deal with as a, as a high school math teacher, I'll sometimes get a parent come into a conference and their kid will be sitting right next to them and they'll say, well, I was never very good at math. So so my kid isn't any good at math. and 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 <laughs> all sorts of thoughts run through my head.
1: <laughs> yeah, the mindset thing is a big, can stop a lot of people, both adults and kids. It's interesting, there are a lot of pushes recently to work more on math mindset. Joe Baylor's work out of Stanford is doing a lot on that. There are several online courses that can help kids to realize that math, math is about growing your mind, just as all learning is. Um, And because of past experience or different things, it might come a little bit easier to some people, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it better if you work at it more. And the more you work at it, and actually the interesting thing, the more you make mistakes and then understand why you made a mistake and what the actual answer is, that actually grows your brain more than just getting the right answer.
0: Well that's a that's a that could be a, a definite good idea for, for many teachers to, to remember in their classroom. You said you said something earlier I was I was thinking about the idea of getting that mindset of, of that math is important at a young age, we often talk about literacy being so important. You know, we yes. say, read to your kids, read to your kids, read to your kids. Well, when do we say, do math to your kids, do STEM with your kids? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say that too. And, and that sounds like something right up your alley.
1: Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm all for literacy and language development, but I'm also for early math development. There are some interesting apps starting to come out. There's one called Bedtime Math,
0: Yeah, Um, I like that too.
1: Yeah, that they actually just did a study, I think out of University of Chicago, I could be wrong on that, but where they showed that parents who used this app and it's meant to, in addition to reading bedtime stories with your kids, doing some bedtime math. So some just little simple problems of talking about, there's a topic for the day, maybe it's penguins or something. And then talking about, oh, if you have, three penguins, how many penguin feet do you have? Um, And so, you know, for a young child, that might actually be a real problem. So I talk about oftentimes the difference between an exercise and a problem. Mm. And so to me, an exercise is something that you might not immediately know the answer because you might have to think about it a little bit, but you immediately know how to solve it. So like yep. if you're in a calculus class in high school and you know how to take derivatives and you give somebody a polynomial and you say take the derivative of that that's an exercise assuming they know how to take a derivative <laughs> because <laughs> because I mean they're not immediately going to know what the answer is but they can go through the steps and look at the answer. Yep. Whereas a problem you know is something that you really have to you have to sit and think about it and just let it kind of mull over your brain and be like, oh, do I want to try it this way or maybe I want to try it this way? And so at different levels, different things are exercises versus problems. So going back to the penguin thing, you know, like how many feet do three penguins have for us and hopefully for most of our high school students, that's a very simple exercise, hopefully. Uh, But, you know, in early childhood, that's actually – an interesting math problem where you might have them drawing out the penguins and then counting the number of feet they have. Or you might have them get out three different toys, whether or not they're actually penguins, and count out. So there are lots of different ways to solve
0: yeah, that. Yeah, that's 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 great. Yeah, I've, I've seen the, uh, the bedtime math on, on Twitter as well. It's kind of neat to see some of those daily problems they come up with. Um, yeah. And I called them and I, I just called them problems just instinctively, you know, and then I just stop and think, yeah, they are problems. They're not just exercises. And that's a that's a great distinction. Thank you for that. I I as a as a high school student, I get students that just call everything problems. And and I right. spend so much time in, in beginning algebra saying, OK. This is an equation. This is an expression. This is an inequality. And, mm-hmm. and getting them to understand that all those words really have that meaning. And the more that we maybe could get some of those elementary teachers to use the correct words instead of calling everything problem, that could be a great benefit to, to any school district, any kid as well.
1: Definitely. And yeah, a lot of elementary teachers maybe haven't necessarily had as much math in their background. But one of the great things At least in some districts that's coming out of Common Core is that there is more professional development Mm -hmm. for elementary teachers now in math and so that they can really learn how to do things not just the old standard method which works and is great but at the same time if you can really understand the number sense and the math behind it and understand why the algorithm actually works it just makes math teaching and math learning so much better.
0: Yeah, And I, I often, because our, our high school is connected with our elementary schools, so I will often, um, when I have extra time, I'll, I'll let the, the elementary teachers know, hey, would you like a math teacher to come, come to your classroom and just do a, just do a lesson or, or help with a lesson? And uh, they, they almost always take me up on the offer. And, and it's just neat for me, too, to, to stop and think, how do I explain stuff for my audience and at mm-hmm. the same and at the same time, it's good for those students and math and and those elementary teachers to, like you said, get a little bit of professional development of of hearing what is you know what are some of maybe the words that I could improve upon using in my classroom.
1: Oh, definitely, and I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure, but maybe one of the things you find is that in some ways it's almost harder to explain the easier stuff, so to
0: speak. <laughs> yes,
1: because it's so. It comes so easily to us since we're so far ahead of it Uh that we don't necessarily know why it works. And so coming up with the language and again, that math talk for explaining what's going on when you're adding something to somebody who, you know, for little kids where it isn't something that's simple for them yet, it is still very hard for them.
0: Yeah. So so Teresa, I'm sure you and I, I mean, both being math people like this, I bet we could probably probably talk all day about all these <laughs> ideas and um, and and I would love to do that, but um, I'm sure you have other things to do and, and teachers and educators listening have, have other papers to grade and, yeah. and and forms to fill out and but um, some other <laughs> thoughts. I I know you you post a lot of things on, on Twitter at early math. Um, that's very easy to find. We'll have some other links uh, after our podcast when it's posted on remarkablechatter.com. But any, any other thoughts, anything that just really, really want to touch on or point out?
1: Um, I think that's it. I mean, I just want to yeah emphasize the Twitter at Early Math. I post a lot of interesting activities, but one of the things that I think is best is if, if teachers take a picture of an activity or write a blog post about an activity and then tag me either with the hashtag early math or with my Twitter handle at early math, I'll see it and I'll retweet it to share it with other teachers and other parents. And that's one of the best things about the community is it's not just me sending things out, yeah. but it's really everybody sharing ideas and getting to see what's happening in other people's classrooms and taking those and then modifying them for your own classroom.
0: And and I tell you, it it sure is a whole lot easier being creative when there's, you know, thousands of people that you can that you can see their creative ideas as well.
1: Exactly. Just sharing the ideas is wonderful.
0: So, well, thank you again, Teresa. Um, We've been talking with Teresa Ganzi today. Um, Check. Check it out early at Early Math is probably the easiest way to find her. Uh, she also has a website, and you can contact her. She does a lot of a lot of amazing stuff. Uh, just reading your bio, I real quick, uh, you've instructed. I saw in there instructed classes in sign language for babies.
1: Yes, <laughs> and
0: and 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 as like hey. Because when our kids were young, I remember teaching our kids the words for or the hand signals for more and please Mm -hmm. and all done and eat and drink. And it was so helpful. And I remember whoever told us, they said it's because they they can understand before they can actually motor function, get those words out.
1: Yeah, exactly. The the gross motor movements of the hands are easier than the fine motor movements of the mouth. And just I love with the little babies just seeing the joy and the fact that they can communicate with the people that they love and the people that they interact with is such, Mm. so amazing, as I'm sure you remember with your
0: kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so thank you again, Teresa. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. And uh, definitely check check out more about Teresa Gonzi. And uh, as always, thanks for listening to the STEM Everyday Podcast. And check out all the podcasts on remarkablechatter.com. Until next time, I'm Chris Woods. And keep on finding ways to add math and STEM uh, into your lives.
1: You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit remarkablechatter.com.